Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. Whenever you hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Welcome into today's edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Colin McLaughlin today. Spencer's still out as he is sick. Gerald also out today, so... Just you and I, Colin, but we'll be fine, right? I mean, we, we can handle this, I think. Yeah, we can handle it. Depleted roster, uh, JV level couldn't even get called up, so we are really down and out of the count as this segment of the show this morning. Brought to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields & Sons, family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Yeah, so... Um, on the show today, we're going to talk high school basketball along with WVU basketball as a tough loss for the Mountaineers last night. We're going to talk about the bubble because somehow they're back on the bubble, which is interesting as unless I completely missed it yesterday, I didn't see them on the list. And then uh, the Ravens made a move in offensive coordinator. We'll talk some NFL news as well. And we'll conclude the show by talking about the Wizards and the Capitals but, Colin, let's get into the games last night. Uh, we'll start with the game that we had here on the uh, radio and TV side of things. Musselman defeating Martinsburg last night for the second time this season um, in another close loss for the Bulldogs, but uh, just a weird game in, in some ways. Not the best performance for either team, but Musselman just finds a way to win, gets a steal at the end of the game, and then a drive to the basket by Colton Sheldon where he is fouled and ends up uh, you know, knocking down two free throws to secure the win for Musselman in dramatic fashion. So really a interesting game and definitely you know, for these two teams, I think it continues the trends of how these teams have played as of late and, and what's just kind of been working out for the two teams this season. Yeah, it was a very sloppy game on both sides a lack of uh shooting a lot of bad passes and turnovers that led to easy points for both sides and ultimately it just came down to free throws for the uh freshman there in Colton Shelton and he was able to knock them down and with 0.4 seconds to go uh that really just put an end to it because Martinsburg had still some time for a catch and shoot but a the high school level is something that you rarely, if ever, will see. So, great game for Musselman. They still were able to find a way to win and stay hot after starting 2-7. and seven. They're now 9-8 and eight overall, so 7-1 and one in their last eight games and looking pretty solid, even though last night they definitely struggled. And then for Martinsburg, they, they just down the stretch – Always play from behind, it seems like, Nick, and can't find ways to win, even though they are right there in it in the final moments each time. Yeah, I think for Martinsburg, I mean, they tried some new things with the the rotation last night. I think Coach Rogers was trying to motivate some guys uh, to play a little bit harder or whatever the case may be. So he starts Jameer Hunter, he starts Rashad Reed, 
who are good athletes, but they just haven't quite shown the ability to be consistent on the offensive end, at least for basketball so far. Um, you know, they give great efforts. Uh, they're hustle guys. I think they're high energy and all those things you want. Um, but when it comes to scoring, you know, they definitely aren't big time scorers. Uh, but I think they did give them a little bit of a boost at times. We saw when some of those guys uh, checked into the game that normally start in replace of Reed and Hunter, uh, when they got in, they they responded to that well, and some guys still didn't respond to that. So I think it's it's something where maybe they're still trying to figure out how to get the best out of their players. But it's definitely been a weird season for Martinsburg. They really haven't figured out their rotation to this point, and most teams have at this point in the year. They're, they're having those mistakes that you don't expect a team to make when you get to this point in the season. And for Musselman, it was just kind of a gritty win. It wasn't really your best performance, but your guys stepped up when they needed to. I thought they played much better later in the ball game, uh, and they found a way to win. And they held on. They got the win over Martinsburg. Matt Mahood had another good game, scoring the ball, 21 points uh, to lead the way for the Appleman. I think Colton Sheldon's been, you know, great. Uh, point guard for them in terms of since he's been called up to varsity only a freshman very composed for his age uh but now tonight and we'll get into this later but Musselman's going to try to play its fourth game in five days against a Washington team that's young hungry for a win so I would expect tonight's game to be pretty close as well Colin and we'll see if they can hold off but uh other games going on last night Hedgesville got a 76 to 10 win over Broadford and Christian Academy not too surprised at the score there uh, and I think Hedgesville needed that kind of scoring night. But I think the more important story is Coach Rest and Coach Church being honored for their 25 years with the program. We're working on getting the two coaches on tomorrow. It sounds like we're at least to have Coach Church, um, but he's going to see if Coach Rest can do it as well. And don't know what time exactly, but they'll be on the program tomorrow in some fashion. So looking forward to that. And uh, we couldn't talk about it because it was a surprise for Coach Church, but. 25 years, 400 wins for those two guys. Um, certainly guys that deserve to be honored and recognized by the community, and it's great to see. Yeah, emotional night. I uh, wish, obviously, we could have been there, but we had the uh, Martinsburg-Musselman game already on the schedule and weren't informed of uh, this happening, actually, until yesterday, so could not make the change but emotional day emotional night and that emotion carries over to a great night for the basketball side of things and a dominating win for Hedgesville and I agree it's something that they need to kind of just build off of have a fun night an enjoyable night and get some confidence back for some players that maybe had been losing it over the past few games potentially obviously don't know if that's the case or not but when you go out and beat a team 76-10 to 10 and have a very good defensive and offensive performance, there's a lot of happy, positive vibes going on for the Eagles. Yeah, I think that's the key for Hedgesville moving forward. You know, How do they get the best out of their offense? How do they have that more consistent offensive play? Because I think overall their defense has been pretty good, uh, even in the games that they've lost. You know, They're not giving up you know a ton of points in these losses it's just they've only been scoring in the 50s and 40s when we think they're capable of scoring in the 60s 
against most teams in the EPAC. So I think that's really the key for Hedgesville moving forward. It's how are they able to do that, and can they beat you know Spring Mills or Martinsburg in the sectionals, and then can they beat a Musselman or, or even Washington if something crazy happens in a uh, regional? You know that's going to be really important. Jefferson as well, obviously, uh, because you could very well see yourself in the sectional against Spring Mills fall, and then have to play Jefferson, which would obviously not be where you want to be, but. Uh, last night was about more than just the, the game itself. It was about those two coaches. And, you know, we talked about it on our game. Uh, just two guys that have given so much to this community. But um, moving on to the girls' side of things, Washington gets a win in another close game in Section 2. 41 win for the Lady Patriots over the Musselman Appleman. And really, that's what we've grown to expect in Section 2. Yeah, it really helps the resume in a wide open section as well and we know that both or not just both but all three um teams in section two and washington musselman and jefferson have all really been uh just going back and forth with one another and knocking each other off but now that washington is sitting at 10 and 10 getting the win against musselman which means that they have the series sweep against them yes they still split with jefferson i think you got you got to give the one seed if you're a coach and voting here next week to washington now after this win and just the way that they continue to play jefferson i feel like might be second it's really a toss-up with them because yes they just last week got a win against washington but you look against musselman they also split, so it's a 50-50 between those two from there. So if you look at the overall record right now, it's Jefferson having the advantage over Musselman. But a great game last night. We expect these three teams throughout the rest of the uh, final moments of this season to have competitive games like that, and that's what makes it fun this time. Even though it was a home game for Musselman, it was Washington that was able to get the win and maybe that's the spark they need nick yeah it could be and i would agree with you on how i would rank the teams i think the other point too is that musselman didn't beat washington this year even though they split with jefferson uh so i think that kind of puts them below jefferson in my eyes because uh, if you haven't beaten the top team that we believe in is in section two in washington then it's hard to say that you should be the second best team in the section especially when jefferson has so it's not quite what we had last year on the boys' side in Section 1 where everybody had split the regular season, so you really had no idea how you would rank it just based off of those things. You had to look at overall record and, and who you played and such, and I think they got it right last year. Uh, on that side, hopefully they're able to get it right with the girls' side as well this year in Section 2. And But I, I would think most people would, would agree and say that Washington should be the one followed by the Cougars, and then followed by the Appleman. But the difference between the Musselman, Appleman, and the Jefferson Cougars is very slim, and Musselman could certainly knock off Jefferson and could even knock off Washington in a championship game because they've played close enough now where just a few shots, a few plays go their way, and, and they find a way to get that win. So definitely interesting, definitely uh, you know competitive. Again, last night, another final here. Spring Mills beats... Jefferson 63 49 
So not too bad for the the Cougars based on what we've seen uh, Spring Mills do all year to these teams. But, uh, you know, what you expect to see, Spring Mills gets another win. I just hope that they're keeping their focus and they're not, you know, falling down at this point. But I think also these other teams are getting a little bit better and building a little bit more confidence that they uh, can be more competitive. And, and that's why we're seeing slightly closer scores but still a big win for the lady cardinals yeah just looking through the uh stats from last night's win for spring mills dandridge 17 points six assists bull duke 17 points four rebounds grand edsel 11 points two steals two assists and then reagan edsel back in the lineup after we know that uh she was hurt for a portion of the season with a concussion eight points seven rebounds five assists so uh Another solid win. The undefeated season stays alive, and they finally got respect uh, in the AP poll. We've been talking about that every single week when it comes out and you look at it in quad A, and yes, Spring Mills is still in fourth at now 17-0. They were 16-0 when the poll came out, but they finally received a first-place vote, only one out of the uh, 10 that are given, so cool to see that the respect is there and hopefully that respect continues uh for spring mills yeah i agree but i i do understand again why they're they're fourth we talked about before their strength schedule hasn't really quite been there but they are clearly a very talented team and then they go to charleston and are able to prove uh that the strength schedule didn't matter and they were clearly one of the top teams in the state. I, I would certainly like to see that from Spring Mills, who's consistently been able to make it to Charleston, just hasn't really had success once getting down there. Uh, we got some games to talk about tonight. Jefferson taking on Spring Mills and boys basketball. Uh, that one, not our game, but Muscleman Washington will be our game. We hit on that one a little bit. I think we both agree it's going to be a pretty close game, low scoring, I would think based on how those two teams kind of play uh, with their defense and physical probably as well type of game. Uh, but Jefferson Spring Mills, this is, a, I think, a game where Spring Mills needs to prove to us and really everybody that this could be a competitive uh, regional if it does end up being that matchup. Because I think it's it's pretty obvious that Section 1 between Spring Mills and Hedgesville should be a competitive game if they both are in the championship if Martinsburg doesn't pull off any upsets. But if Jefferson were to play Spring Mills or Jefferson were to play Hedgesville, we feel like it's pretty much a lock that they'll advance the states. So tonight could be an indication of maybe that not being the case. Yeah, Spring Mills needs that win tonight if they want us truly to believe that they can compete with Jefferson because the last time these two teams met after Spring Mills was able to knock off Hedgesville 46 to 40 they come out and the start of the next week lose 72 to 53 to Jefferson who right now I still think we put as number one in the EPAC and this could be a regional championship matchup if Spring Mills were to be the runner-up because as of right now even though Musselman's hot I think all signs point to Jefferson being the champion in section two they go against the section one runner-up and that most likely will either be Spring Mills or Hedgesville unless Martinsburg can finally find a way to upset and get a win over a uh, 
team come a few weeks from now but which they're not that far off they're, they're not that, that far off but it's still in our heads hard to believe because we've seen time and time again that right. fall but back to spring mills you get to play jefferson this time at home it should be a solid atmosphere as it always is at the cardinal coliseum hopefully that helps you can build off the emotion of it all and thomas needs to have a big game and they need to shut down shively if they want to get the win and then our final game tonight hedgesville taking on jefferson and girls basketball colin and uh like we've kind of said all year hedgesville's been a rebuilding team they're not quite there that they can knock off an epac school i think this season but uh we'll see if they're able to you know show some more of that improvement and continue to get better and be more competitive against a jefferson team that has consistently shown the ability to be inconsistent so you never know what could happen but on paper jefferson should probably win this one pretty easily yeah i agree it's at home for them as well so i think that they get the job done and maybe we can see hedgesville keep it close for a little bit but ultimately i think uh jefferson the size and the experience that they have uh still on the roster propels them to the win all right so on the other side of this break we'll talk more about the wvu men's basketball team after a loss to baylor last night but they're still in the tournament according to joe lenardi as of today talk a little bit about the ncaa tournament bubble and our thoughts on how wvu stacks up against those other teams if this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience by your next vehicle online, they'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com. We'll be back for more of the sports mix after this. Wish we'd known. We'll blow away. You're tuned into the sports mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. We welcome you back to today's edition of the sports mix. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Kyle McLaughlin here as uh, we get into segment two of the program. WVU men's basketball with another loss last night, Colin. Yeah, another embarrassing loss. They just cannot perform on the road at all this year in the Big 12, and it's something that for some reason, and I know we'll get into a a little bit more later on, alarms me as a fan because obviously I, I put two and two together just on a personal level of uh, road games, neutral games. If you're not at home in the comfortability of the Coliseum, this team's probably going to struggle. But when you look at bracketology, and that's what people love to do here in the final few weeks leading up to March Madness, they still have the West Virginia Mountaineers as a team that's right now a 10 seed come March Madness after two very bad losses to two ranked teams that are both two seats in the tournament right now, which is what WVU would play if they made it uh, after the first round of the tournament. So 79-67 last night, it, it was tough. You look at the score sheet, Matthews had a all right day, 17 points uh, with a total of five rebounds, but 
he's the only guy out of your starting five with double digits and points, and the second guy off the bench was Toussaint. So only two guys in double figures, and that's why uh, you kind of look at that and be like, yeah, that's why they lost. Yeah. Also, they couldn't stop the three. So. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. Maybe I missed something yesterday, but I swear that WVU was not on the bracketology on the bubble yesterday. And then looking today, obviously we see them on there, uh, which I'm not sure what would have happened that got them back into the tournament in many people's eyes, or at least in Joe Lenardi's eyes, but uh, apparently they are. So the thing is they're on the bubble still, so it's very 50-50 if they'll be in. And I think you look at the Mountaineers' resume – and it's it's super inconsistent, but that's most bubble teams. Uh, they do have some really quality wins. I mean, you have a win over Iowa State, who's a top 15 team in the nation when they beat them. Uh, you have wins over TCU. You have a win over um, Auburn. Auburn, yes. Yeah. So you have some good wins there. Uh, and... You know, you've had some really competitive games in the Big 12, but you also had really the last two nights where I feel like WVU games, I should say, where they just haven't really played very good against teams uh, that are considered toward the top of the nation. So, excuse me, it's tough to, uh, you know, really make a decision there on on if you would put WVU in the tournament or not. Um, As a 10 seed, if you do pull off a first-round upset, you'd be facing... A number two seed, which would be Texas right now, hypothetically, or, or that level of team. And we just saw a WVU performed in that game. So I don't know where to put them, but I don't. I either. think they don't know where they want to be, and they don't know what kind of team they are. And, and that's kind of the issue right now. So I think it's fair to say that they are potentially a a tournament team because they do have some quality wins and they've played a really tough schedule I think overall but also they've had some bad losses to some quality teams but they haven't had really any losses to a team that's bad right that you would say that's a really bad loss for the Mountaineers so I think that helps too so I mean it's tough in a down year for the ACC that I think helps the Mountaineers as well Kind of a down year for the Big Ten, you know, so there's not that many great teams this year in college basketball or even tournament lock teams or even really strong bubble teams. So I think in this season where there is hasn't really been teams to really separate themselves, you can make an argument for the Mountaineers to be in the tournament. Yeah, I'm looking at this and what stands out to me is first thing I already mentioned, they can't win on the road you look at the away games they only have two road wins this year one coming in the second game of the season when they blew out pit 81 56 on the road and then the second one was at texas tech 76 61 back january 25th that's your only wins on the road but i I agree you look at the losses and I, i think the worst loss i guess would be at Kansas, or not at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, my apologies. That's probably, I guess, the worst team to lose to. I'm saying not the worst loss. The worst loss has to be one of the past two, probably the Texas one, when you get blown out 94-60. to 60. 
Baylor just as bad at 79-67, but those are two top 10 teams, right? You, you look at the rest of your losses, the other TCU, a four-point loss. They're now 15th. Texas, again, top 10 team. Oklahoma, I guess a one-point loss on the road. That That's not the best one, uh, just looking at Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So that that's it. The rest are teams right now that are nationally ranked and most likely going to be a uh, probably five, if not better, seed in the tournament. Right, and you know, looking at the bubble right now, WVU to me is one of the better teams that would be in really. So it's not super surprising that they are in. Uh, the the last four buys they have is the Mountaineers, Auburn, Boise State, Memphis. WVU beat Auburn, so you can make the argument that they're better than the Tigers. Boise State and Memphis don't play super tough schedules, so I think you can make the argument that they're better than both of those teams. You look at the last four in that Lenardi has, Mississippi State, North Carolina, New Mexico, and Clemson. I think they're better than all those teams based on resume. So, you know, and then there's nobody really here sitting on the outside looking in that I think necessarily you would you would say that right now they would be in over WVU. The team that I would maybe look out for would be like Kentucky or Oregon or USC, one of those Pac-12 teams get hot. Uh, and, of course, there's going to be somebody that ends up getting into the tournament as a conference champ that wasn't expected. Right. And that could potentially mess some things up for the Mountaineers. But at least at this point, I, I think it's fair to put them in the tournament if the season ended today. I still think they need one signature win here in Big 12 play. That would really, I think, lock it up for WVU. And they can't afford a bad loss. So you can't afford a loss to Texas Tech or a loss to Oklahoma State. And then you got to get at least one between Kansas, Iowa State, and Kansas State. Yeah, the only one that I honestly look at is Kansas State, the last game of the season, because that's at home, right? right? Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, both at home. Those hopefully are both wins, and you don't get upset. You play at Kansas, that's going to be ugly. You play at Iowa State two days later, I feel like that's also going to be ugly, kind of like the same situation we just saw with Texas and then Baylor back-to-back on a Saturday and then a Monday. That's exactly the same thing here with Kansas-Iowa State. So if you want that signature win, I think it has to be against Kansas State in the regular season, and then maybe you can make some noise and really solidify a spot if you can make noise come the Big 12 tournament. But you mentioned the road record, too. I wonder how much that will play any sort of factor in people's viewing of the mountain. Because in one way, all the games are on the road. In another way, they're not on the road in the tournament. They're all neutral site, if you're being exact with what they are. Yeah, so, the only neutral site that they had was that Thanksgiving tournament when they lost to Purdue, but then they went and beat Portland State and then destroyed Florida. That's the only, right. if I remember correctly, uh, neutral games that they had this year. That makes sense. But, I mean, I don't know how much that road record plays a factor. I don't think it does too much, but it is kind of interesting that they've been so much worse on the road compared to how they've played at home. But, yeah, I mean, WVU has really struggled. I think that pretty much does it, though, for this segment of the program, Colin. When we move on, we'll talk 
about the Ravens. They have a new offensive coordinator, and we'll also talk about the Colts hiring officially of the Eagles offensive coordinator as their next head coach. That's coming back. That's coming up on the other side of this break. Yep, this segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Cabinets in design, bedding, outdoor living, family-owned and operated. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way in Martinsburg or go to Orsini's.com. Back for more of the sports mix after this on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740 and TV 10. We welcome you back here on the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini alongside Mikkel McLaughlin. Going to talk some NFL, the Ravens have finally filled their offensive coordinator position after going through 21 candidates. They have hired Todd Moken as the next offensive coordinator. Uh, he has spent time with the Georgia Bulldogs the past two years as their offensive coordinator, uh, so back-to-back national champion, uh, but has also had some stints in the NFL where his offenses haven't looked the best with the Buccaneers uh, from 2016 to 2018 and then with the Cleveland Browns in 2019. So a guy with a lot of experience, 57 years old, been coaching for a long time, but his NFL success really isn't there for me to be super excited about it, but he does have good success at the college level and I guess a fair point to make would be that the Bucks' offenses weren't necessarily terrible in that era, but their quarterback was Jameis Winston, who I guess is colorblind. I don't know, but he always threw it to the wrong team. So, you know, that makes it difficult when you have a quarterback that consistently turns the football over. Um, so I'm kind of eh about it. We'll see how it works out. Um, obviously, George's offense had a lot of success had a lot of but i mean that's college so it's is it more or is it more so on the players that you put around the coach i, I don't know, know. And, but yeah. i think that's every level of football to some extent i mean you can only coach the talent that's on the field right and i'm looking at this and georgia pretty solid offense right i mean back-to-back national championships you can't complain when they averaged 501 yards and over 40 points per game but i feel like that was mostly at least from the quarterback perspective, through the air. And we know Lamar Jackson, yeah, he's a great quarterback still. I'd put him top five in the league. Better with his feet than with his arm. And you're hoping that this hire in Todd Monken can help that and help the passing game. But when you look at the NFL, is it really the offensive coordinator that does that? Or is it more of a quarterback coach that does that or is it the same i feel like typically at the nfl level that's two separate positions so how much is this going to help that situation for lamar jackson who i i think still going to be in baltimore obviously franchise tag is there this year and then down the road i think they do get the deal done and he stays a raven but i agree Mon- Mon- he hasn't had the best nfl success that being monken but hopefully his time 
at Georgia helped him, I guess, learn and grow to become a pretty solid offensive coordinator for the Ravens, who definitely need to, I guess, address the attack through the air, but not fully from Lamar Jackson, I feel like. you got to get weapons around him, right? Yeah, I think that's part of the issue. The other issue was just that Greg Roman's offense has been criticized as being way too simple, especially at the passing game. Uh, So hopefully Munkin can come in and really give them a a better passing game. And to my understanding, he he played quarterback in college, so he has that familiarity to potentially help Lamar a little bit uh, with some of his quarterback play. Um, And I I don't think for Lamar it's necessarily a skill issue. I think he's developed enough as a passer where if he has the weapons around him, I mean, look at what Jalen Hurts did. They're very similar players in the way that they uh, were criticized coming into the league and, um, you know, how they were perceived as a passer. But you give Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and he looks like a very good passer, as we saw in the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson's throwing to guys you never heard of demarcus robinson who on every other team is the fourth string receiver he's their number one based off of the injuries i mean rashad bateman will be back but he got hurt last year so i think that's a fair point i mean mark andrews is obviously a very good tight end but having a tight end as your number one receiver unless he's travis kelsey it doesn't really work too well and i mean kelsey's benefiting partially from Mahomes and andy reed and also the fact that he seems to be uncoverable for whatever reason. So uh, this seems like a, a decent hire, but I, I I think it's more so about what they run offensively than necessarily and who they put around Lamar, like you said, than who the offensive coordinator is. This is also the seventh offensive coordinator in Hardball's 16-year tender as yeah. the head coach. So, I mean, they've gone through quite a few different guys. Cam Cameron was the longest uh, him and Roman were the longest tenured, and Cam Cameron got fired the year that they won the Super Bowl when they went to Jim Caldwell. So uh, they had some good ones. I mean, they had Gary Kubiak, but, I mean, those were guys that were former coaches. Caldwell was a former head coach as well. So they had th- that guy wasn't really available for them. They go with Munkin, who was a head coach at Southern Miss for a little bit and had some success in his final season there. But I don't know. I'm – I'm. I was surprised that they didn't maybe go with a young guy, too. Like a young I'm a little surprised in that, but but they end up going with a veteran. I, I think at least he has play calling experience. I wasn't really big on enemy since he hasn't had play calling experience, and I just don't know if you take him out of Kansas City if he really succeeds or not. But it looks like he might end up being in Washington, so we'll see I how that works so. out. I like the Andy Reid coaching tree, but we'll get more into hardballs a part of that coaching on, tree. So. so, but j- just to I guess look at a positive note. You kind of mentioned uh, Munkin's um, NFL tenure at the Buccaneers, and he was able to get the most out of the two quarterbacks that he had to deal with being Fitzpatrick. So you put Lamar Jackson over those two guys, right? So if he can get the most out of him, maybe it's another MVP season for Lamar Jackson. We'll and the other and thing see, is Lamar has to stay healthy. If he's not healthy, true. then it doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is. So, But we'll see. I think it's a decent hire. It's maybe not a super exciting one, but 
who really would be super excited about an offensive coordinator because most of the time you don't really know unless they're a big name, you know, who who it is. So we'll see. I mean, I think it, it could be better as long as they put some weapons around Lamar and, and develop that passing game a little bit more. I agree. But the Colts have hired uh, Shane Steichen as their new head coach. Officially, the Eagles offensive coordinator leads from Philly to Indianapolis. And to me, this is interesting for a few different reasons. But the, the number one thing that kind of was funny to me is that they fired a former Eagles offensive coordinator that won a Super Bowl and Frank Reich and then go with Shane Steichen, uh, who's the current Eagles offensive coordinator, and hire him as their head coach now. Obviously, that's a few years apart, completely different team at the time, but it's just kind of funny to see that. But uh, overall, I think this is a uh, intriguing hire. He's a young coach, uh, but the Colts, same kind of thing. You know, they got to figure out their quarterback position. I think they're going to finally draft somebody instead of relying on veterans that are washed up. Yeah, and he's a young coach only. 37 years old been in the league for a few years as a coach uh, looking at his stints it looks like he was a defensive assistant with the chargers in 2011 and then uh switched over to being an offensive coach when he joined the browns in 2013 as an assistant and then went back to the chargers that next year and uh helped out being a quality control coach to quarterback so he got to be with philip rivers uh Herbert eventually, I believe, for a little bit. And now with the Colts, a team that you kind of think that they might go a quarterback this draft, even though they do have Sam Ellinger. Is he the guy, or after a 4-12-1 season, do they go into the draft with, they have, I believe, the fourth pick, if I'm not mistaken. Do they go with a quarterback? I think they got to, because Ellinger's not the answer to long term, and, and they barely gave him a shot this past season so he he's just worked with Jalen Hurts a young quarterback so now he gets to do it all over again maybe with a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud potentially guys that have comparisons to a Jalen Hurts caliber if he can succeed there yeah I the think right it, move. it could definitely work out there's some talent there in Indianapolis they have Jonathan Taylor they have a solid offensive line they have Michael Pittman who's a good young wide receiver uh, if you're able to get a good young quarterback in there, it could be a, a solid team in a couple of years um, if this works out. So, you know, Steichen's had some success, but again, like I said, you know, Philly built an offense with a ton of talent. I mean, they yes. went out, they got AJ Brown, they drafted well, adding those other weapons. Um, so, Indianapolis has a little bit of talent, but probably not as good as Philly. They had the best offensive line in football. All that to consider, can he do it with a little bit less talent? And that's a big step. And and when you're taking over as a head coach, too, you have to be concerned about the defense. You know, we've talked a lot about offense, but now that he's the head coach, you know, how do you work both sides of the ball? Who do you bring on on your staff? Uh, since this is kind of a late hiring, you know, a lot of the big names have already probably been hired on a lot of the staff. So there's a lot of work to do here, but it should be interesting. It should be interesting. I I think it down the long run might be a good move because he's young. If not, since he's young, he can still go back to being a coordinator somewhere after a few years. Yeah, could definitely have some more opportunities for 
Shane Steichen down the line. So that does it for this segment on the other side of this break. We'll talk about the Washington teams, the Capitals and the Wizards. Are The Wizards were in action last night. The Caps are back tonight, but Alex Ovechkin will not be with the team for the foreseeable future. We'll get into that on the other side of this break. This segment brought to you by Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. They became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more for more of the sports mix after this. Now, back to the sports mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back to today's edition of the Sports Mix. This segment brought to you in part by the Marius Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and, and Phil McCoy. They're located at 1270 Winchester Avenue in Martinsburg or call 304-263-4343. Nick Verzellini alongside me, Colin McLaughlin, here in the final segment of the show. Colin, the Capitals are back on the ice tonight, but unfortunately Alex Ovechkin will not be due to a death in the family. So don't know how long he will be out, but um, certainly a, you know, a big loss and uh, just very unfortunate for him. Yeah, thoughts and prayers are uh, currently out with the Alex Ovechkin family at this time. And just looking at the ESPN article about it, uh, Peter Laviolette says that it's uh, going to be a while, possibly, at least uh this week, if not longer, so which is tough because we know one he's the captain, so he's the team leader in this team trying to make a push right now, and two on a I guess more star spotlight level for Ovechkin. He, he he's currently the second leading goal scorer all time, and it, it, every game matters if you want to catch the great one. So a few games here in this stretch for the Capitals that he will be missing is uh, tough because we know tonight they take on Carolina and then they have a game on Thursday, I believe, against Florida. Let me double-check that that's correct. Yeah, so Carolina tonight, Thursday, Florida, Saturday, Carolina, Tuesday, Detroit, Thursday, Anaheim, and then Saturday, New York. So six games there in about a... 10 11 day span and then buffalo the very next day so make that seven games in a almost two week span that that could hurt him in his career and then also obviously hurt the team because now they're having to move things around in the uh rotation already a few injuries and it would have been obviously great to see him play in the stadium series too on saturday and now he'll be out for that yeah, well, we don't know for certain, but obviously, you know, he's got to take his time with uh, whatever he feels is right. Sometimes guys do come back quicker than you would expect from a family death, um, because you want to like play for them, and it can be some or some sort of motivation. So we'll see how long Ovechkin's out. It really just depends on his grieving process, but uh, certainly, you know, sad news and definitely going to be difficult for the Capitals if he is out for a long time to not have your your captain, your best goal scorer and all that stuff. 
playing a big factor here down the stretch. So the Caps need these wins, and they're just going to have to adjust, though. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. Sometimes the unexpected happens. And if you're going to be a playoff time, playoff-type team and the Stanley Cup contender, whether it be injuries or, or just freaky things that happen or whatever the case may be, you know, you're going to have to replace guys at points throughout the season. So Ovechkin, obviously, you know, he's the guy that you can't lose because if you lose him, you know, this team obviously isn't going to be as good. But right now you don't have him. Can you prove to play without him and find ways to win games? Sometimes they say uh, teams step up when their best players out and guys that you don't typically see have to shine. So maybe so it will be Shepherd a blessing Rams in disguise. Exactly. But I kind of doubt it will be, though, for the Cavs. We'll That's going to do it for this episode of the Sports Mix tonight on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10 More High School Boys Basketball as the Musselman Appleman head to Washington to take on the Patriots pregame at 7 p.m., tip-off at 7.30. This has been the Sports Mix on WRNR Martinsburg. Have a great rest of your day.